Every so often, not, not like all the time, but every once in a while, I'll daydream a little bit about what, what would it look like if I did have the power to change my life. And, and by change my life, I don't mean um, like we all can make decisions each day that impact and affect our life trajectory and things that go on around us, like the consequences that we face and all that, that kind of stuff. But like what if I could will and speak things into being? Anybody else with me? Have you, ever, have you ever wondered and thought, like, what if I could make the things that I wanted to have happen, happen? Like, what if I could say that instead of the Golden State Warriors being the NBA champions, the San Antonio Spurs would have won? Like, what if I could control that? I think it would be a great world for, for me and maybe, you know, some close personal friends and family and stuff like that. I don't, I don't know about everybody. I, I think it would be generally okay for most of us, right? It would only be uncomfortable for some. Uh, you know, the uh, Washington Nationals would stop getting injured. We'd have a better bullpen and we'd win the World Series this year. Uh, thing, things like that. I, I just think it would be a great world if I had the ability to just will into being to control the things that happen around us. Uh, and... and you know, world peace and that kind of stuff too. Like I'd, I'd, I'd start with that kind of stuff first, I, obviously. You know, I, I just didn't mention that first. But, man, what if we could just, all of us could just have things happen in the way that we want them to control them? Well, I don't know about all of us. Like maybe we, we might need to have some standards there. And, and because some, I, I don't know, some of us would be kind of, kind of diametrically opposed to others, I think. So we'd have to have a litmus test there for, for who gets to have this power. But, but think about how amazing that would be. How would, you, how would you use that? Like, what would your approach be? Would it be for you to have the best life that you could possibly have for yourself and everybody else kind of, you know, lives and, and does their own thing. Would you go through and like make all the infinite calculations that you would have to through time and space to see like what all the consequences of every decision that people would make would create further down the road, like the ripple effect, the butterfly effect of things, and, and would you spend the time going through and all that? Would you even give other people a choice or would you just kind of wind the clock and, and kind of just step back and let things happen? Like what, basically, what we're talking about is what would you do, how would you act, how you, would you operate if you were God? Like what category would you put yourself in? The one who just kind of steps back and lets things happen? The one that controls everything? The one that gives people a choice? Or maybe kind of a combination of, of all of the above? How, how would you do things? How would you approach life? See, it's really interesting that as Jesus is going around and he's teaching these parables and he's sharing these short stories about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven and how God operates and the way things are meant, meant to be, that just before Jesus comes on the scene, just before his cousin John the Baptist starts to tell people that Jesus is coming, there has been 400 years of silence from God. So in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's been nothing for 400 years. We have nothing written down or recorded from anybody claiming, hey, this is, this is what God has to say during this period of time. There's been silence. And during that period of time, things, the Israelites, I mean, they looked a lot different than what they did during the Old Testament. They started having Sadducees and Pharisees, their political involvement, who was controlling them, their, their, uh, their ideas about God. All those things were shifting and changing in how they were relating to him. And one of the big things that they wondered and talked about, and the reason they had religious teachers of the law that were going around and creating all of these extra things that they had, follow, had to follow above and beyond what God had given them in the Old Testament, 
is because they were trying to figure out how God operated. How did he move? How did he interact with this world? And this parable that we're talking about today in Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29, Jesus tells us. So here's what he says. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Jesus starts to talk to his audience who hasn't heard from God in 400 years, and he says, this this is kind of how God operates. You might think that God is kind of constantly going to be in your face and always talking to you and always saying, hey, here's, here's the evidence of me doing this thing, and here's where I am over here. But it doesn't necessarily work like that. In fact, a lot of times you and I will sit back and wonder, like, what, like how is God moving? How is he interacting with his world? But one of the things that Jesus makes really clear about this, even though there's a mystery of how God moves, that we can know and recognize his movement by the fruit that is produced in our life. That one of the things that we can see and point out and regularly, uh, uh, readily observe in our life is, is, does what God is doing and claims and promises come to life in us? Those are the things that we can see and point out. One of the things that, uh, the way that Paul describes this in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 is he says, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it into completion until the day of Christ Jesus, that you and I can look at the Old Testament, see God's word, and see his power at work, and all the claims about Jesus, all the claims about how life was going to be and turn out if we follow out the Messiah, that we can test those and see those come true in our life. But what I'd like to do this morning is kind of do, a, do something a little bit different and allow my friend uh, Daryl to kind of explain what this parable looks like in our lives. Hi, my name's Daryl. Welcome to the Garden of Edivista. I'm going to take you on a little tour this morning, show you a few things of this paradise here that we're trying to create for ourselves. Uh, it's middle. It's coming into summer, right? We're getting into the middle of the summer, so we're putting the uh, the plants that do well in the heat. We've got cabbage here. We're putting little beans in. Okay. Whenever something in the garden goes, uh, uh, whenever something in the garden goes to its maturity and it's all through. Uh, we're done with it. We're done harvesting the, the uh, fruit off it. We take that fruit out, take the plant out, and we replant it with something else. This thing is going to produce right through the winter for us. Uh, we've also got uh, uh, we've got some special tomatoes in here. These these grow a little bit bigger, as you can see. But these are these are pretty laden down right now with tomatoes. This is a great year for growing tomatoes in my mind. Usually in the morning, come out and. Uh, pick the fruit that's ready for the day and uh, we've got a couple of cucumbers here ready. I think there's something inherent to my being, okay, that pushes me toward uh, the gardening thing, the farming thing, the plant thing. So I have this great love for plants. Uh, I like growing my own food. Uh, I think it's some of the best food that you can possibly get. Uh, it tastes better than anything you can buy in the store or because you can walk into your backyard right at night and say, hey, I'm going to make a salad out of this stuff that's right here. Take it in, cut it up, and eat it immediately. The thing I like best about gardening is watching either the fruit or the flowers come into maturity, right? 
I believe that um, everything that God's put on the earth is for God's glory, right? So these things that are on the earth, God intends them to reach to a certain point of maturity. And when they reach that maturity, I think that that's when God's glory is totally manifested in the thing that he put on the earth. So I kind of liken that uh, when I look at plants, when I look at flowers in, in their prime, right? I'm picking fruit. I'm looking at uh, flower, the beauty of a flower. I'm always thinking about that's God's intent for me. God's intent for me is to mature on the earth to display his complete glory uh, to those things around me so that the people around me can benefit from uh, from me as an individual, right? Having, having God manifested himself through me and uh, displayed to the world, I think that's what God's intent is for us uh, as, as humans on the earth. So I look at gardening, I look at plants as a display of what God's intent is across the entire earth right uh, that everything would come into its glory and everything would uh, uh, would be a benefit to those around it and God would be praised for for all of these great things that that we see Jesus says this is a mystery like we don't really understand what happens when we plant the seed in the ground the soil it goes through it germinates it starts to grow things happen. And what he means by that is not that, like, scientifically we can't go through and, and, and watch and do, you know, you're seeing the time lapse with the seed growing and stuff. It's not that we can't observe these, these things. But, but what he says is that there are things that God does with the things that we do that makes them more fruitful and better than anything we could possibly imagine. That, that our life is sustained and, and made into something beautiful and, and fruitful when we allow him to take over and do his work in, in our lives. Just as Daryl can tell you, and he'll be available after the service, I think, out in the lobby, to tell you how to grow a great garden, the resurrection of Jesus, post-Jesus resurrection, we, we have a better understanding of what God wants to do and how he wants to cultivate in us and grow in us something that is worthy of his glory. There are certain things that come along when we profess a belief in God, things about his nature that are foundation. And the theological, the great theological truth that Jesus is trying to explain and, and get across to these people that he's talking about is that God is sovereign, that he is in control, that he is worthy of our trust, that he is worthy of our faith, that he is worthy of us relying on his Holy, Holy Spirit to guide us and to sustain us and grow our lives into something fruitful and to be something useful. You've heard the phrase, your perception is your reality before. Maybe you've heard that said to you when you're arguing with someone and you're, you disagree about how things should go and how life should be. And somebody says, well, that, that's just your perception and that's your reality. And then what they're saying is you're just kind of stuck in that. I'm kind of stuck in mind and we're both kind of choosing our own way and we might be against each other and we might be for each other and that's fine but what Jesus is saying is he's saying God has the reality he has the truth of perception and that he invites us into that to be grown into a life that's worth living we can ignore it we can fight against it or we can acknowledge its existence and grow within it and that's what we are offered in the kingdom of God, is, is to exchange our perception and our reality for God's perception and his reality. And we do that by trusting in his sovereignty 
and being guided by his Holy Spirit within us. There's a lot to be made about God's sovereignty, his supreme power, and his authority. A lot of times we have arguments about things like free will or predestination. Do I get to choose my path in life? Does God choose it for me? Does God cause bad things to happen, or do things just kind of happen? Like, how does that all work out? Those are discussions for another time. We're not going to get into all of that, but here's what Jesus wants to reveal about God's sovereignty is that every time, no matter what, God's promises come true. The things that God wants to have happen, his will always comes to bear. In Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30, Paul is encouraging Christians, and he says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. And sometimes I think we get in the midst of life and and we get in the midst of things that are happening, things that are not good, maybe even some things that are good. We're distracted about, hey, why am I not this thing that God is creating me to be now? Instead of recognizing that even in the midst of the good things, even in the midst of the bad things, even the midst of the middle, that God is producing something in us that will be glorified. The power of God's work within us produces glorified lives. And that all of us have this potential within us. All of us have the potential to allow the seed of God's word to germinate within us, to grow into something that creates something that is praiseworthy for him. The word of God is living and active. Just as a seed is living. When you plant it in the ground, it's, it's surviving on its own nutrients, and it's there. And what it needs, it needs the things that it needs to grow. It needs water. It needs the right temperature. It needs good soil in, in which for it to turn into what it's meant to be, for it to germinate in that. And we get to choose how well the seed of God's word grows in our life. We get to choose that by determining whether or not we're actually listening and following his word. Are we reading his scripture? Are we listening to him in prayer and speaking with him? Are we repenting? in our lives? Are we creating the kind of soil that God's word can be living and active in us? And to our amazement, or at least to my amazement, he takes a sinner like me and he takes a sinner like you and creates something beautiful and useful in our lives. Simply put, as Christians, we are called to cultivate, but God is the one who germinates. A lot of times we get caught up in the cultivation side of things. We talk and we have arguments about all kinds of different, I don't know, points of theology. We have these little subtle nuances of things about God that we want to argue about or we say, well, this is why I say this and this is why I say this. And we spend a lot of time studying and we spend a lot of t- time talking and we spend a lot of time interacting with those things. But we don't necessarily live out what God has called us to in our lives. We'll sit around and we'll talk about, well, this is why I follow this theologian, or this is why I follow this theologian, or this is why I listen to this preacher or this preacher, and we'll have these arguments about, and and like I get into that as well. There are some preachers that I would say, if you were to ask me, listen to this guy, don't listen to this guy. But in the midst of all of that, God is wanting to move and grow his kingdom and invite us into that. There's this scenario that Paul deals with in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 where there's this argument among the Christians there about who they're following. In verse 4 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul is writing, For one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos. Are you not acting like mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? 
only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God is the one who's been making it to grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service, you are God's field, and God's building. One of the ways that we determine or we allow God or we allow ourselves to believe and trust and have faith in God's sovereignty is shown by what kind of reward we are cultivating from our life's labors. The decisions that we make today set this foundation for growth tomorrow. What we're occupied with, what we're concerned about, the arguments that we have, the things that take our time and energy and our attention. It's in this way that we determine whether or not God is truly sovereign in his life, in our life. He's sovereign over everything. He, he already is sovereign, but we get to choose whether or not we allow him to be sovereign in our life. This is one of the reasons why when we talk about becoming Christians, the Bible talks about this in terms of dying to ourselves, becoming a new creation. Because we have this decision to make is that whether or not we're going to truly allow our faith to be solely put on God is when we start to let, make our lives less about our own choices and more about his choices for us. That's the choice that we have in this idea of cultivation and allowing God to germinate in our life is for us to die to ourselves and allow him to increase to allow him to do the mysterious work of the kingdom, even if we don't understand it, but to follow him and him to create something beautiful in our lives. God's given us his sovereignty, which guides us, but he's also given us his spirit within us to help us. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14, we read, In Jesus we were also chosen, chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. One of the things I, I think is interesting when we talk about God and how he works, that one of the uh, accusations or one of the, the arguments uh, against God is how, how could he let us choose evil? And some of it is how could God allow evil things to happen, but so much of the evil that happens in this world is a result of human beings choosing those things. That, that we readily recognize and call attention to the fact that we can't be trusted. Like it's a good thing that I don't have the power to choose everything that I want to have happen in my life or to will things in, into being. Because some point down the road, I'm going to mess it up. Like the little bit of power and choice that I do have in my life, like I've already screwed up tons of things. Plenty, I mean, we could have people that have known me, uh, you know, in the past come up and share some stories. You know, my family could come up. You talk to my parents. Don't talk to Renee, though, because uh, I haven't made any mistakes since, since I've known her. Like we, we, do, we do have a lot of power and control over our lives and the decisions that, that we make. And look how terrible of a job we do with that already. And, and we recognize that. We say, man, if, if there was a God, why would, he, why would he give us a choice? Like that's a terrible idea. We can't be trusted with anything. We mess stuff up. And God recognizes that. 
It doesn't change the fact, though, that God is sovereign. He has supreme power and authority because what he does is he sets parameters in our lives and where and how we can make those decisions. And all the things that happen in our life, the way that we observe, the way that our world works, and how we can interact with each other all points to him wanting us to be glorified and live out his image. That's why he gives us his Holy Spirit to indwell us, to help us and guide us to live out what he has called us to do. Because he doesn't leave the cultivation up just to us. In order for us to become what he wants us to become, man, we, we need all the help we can get. And we have to have Jesus because he starts us off into this idea of a new creation where we die to our old self and become something new. And we have to be sustained by the Holy Spirit and guided by him so we can be something worth living The fruit that is produced in us as Christ followers through the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are the ways that we see God's sovereignty at work and in action in our lives when we can produce that fruit that he intends for us. That's why we do things like spiritual disciplines. As we read through scripture and we talk about discipline, it's like, why does God have these parameters that he have, has in his sovereignty? Like, why does he want us to live within these lanes in our life? Well, it's because he wants us to be able to produce something that is praiseworthy and worth glorifying him. If you've never read Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline, this is, this is on Rob's must-read list, all right? So if, if we had curriculum here at the church that you had to go through, obviously it would be the Bible first. So read through that if, you know, if you want to. Um, you should read through that, but read through Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline. He outlines 12 spiritual disciplines that Scripture calls us into in this life. Prayer, fasting, Meditation, study, simplicity, solitude, submission, service, confession, worship, guidance, and celebration. The reason that he does this is not for religion. This is not for religious purposes. These are not the things that, oh, man, if you, if you check off all 12 things uh, on, on your life, God's going to be happy with you, and that's what's going to make him happy with you. No, what, the reason that we do that is so that we can produce and grow in us what God has always intended us from the beginning of creation is for us to be living a life of praise and glory to the God who infinitely deserves this praise and glory for the grace and mercy he has given us through his son Jesus who's erased and destroyed our separation from him our sin through the cross see the work of the Holy Spirit is is meant to help us grow from our faith in Jesus to a faith that is Christ-like and in in other words, our faith in Jesus is meant to produce the faith of Jesus. It's a subtle shift that starts to come with us when we're guided by God's sovereignty and his Holy Spirit is that we move from this idea of just having faith that, oh, Jesus, like he was good and he did some good things. Maybe even believing, you know, hey, oh, he's God's son. I need to give my life to him. And so I'm going to go all in. I'm going to be baptized. That life change is going gonna, is gonna to happen. But to compartmentalize and say, yes, I have this faith in Jesus. Yes, I have this, this Christian faith in here. But it doesn't necessarily touch everything that I do to shifting to having the faith of Jesus. that's what's meant to be produced in us. Not that we can come up with that on our own, but that's what being covered with Jesus and being indwelled with the Holy Spirit helps us to accomplish, to live a life worthy of praise and glory to God. 
is to live life the way that Jesus did. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be Christ-like. It's to make the kind of choices that Jesus did. It's to be willing to make the sacrifices that Jesus did for others so that God's kingdom can produce people who are proof of the truth of God's promises. That's the long story short, is that the kingdom of God produces people who are proof of the truth of God's promises. And it's a profound mystery of why God even bothers with broken people like us, but he does. And he creates this beautiful garden. He creates this worthwhile, nutritious fruit as a result of it through his sovereignty, working through the ages, through his Holy Spirit, working through us as individuals to create something that changes the world and that we get to be a part of that. We get to come together and celebrate that as a body of believers. We get to come together and live that out as a congregation. That We get to go and celebrate that throughout our week in our jobs and in our families and with our friends. That this is what God has called us, to do, called us into and this is what God produces in and through us when we follow him and live according to his will. It's why we celebrate every week. At Velocity, it's why we come together and share in communion because this is what enables us to do that. It's what takes the seed of God's word and allows it to germinate into something beautiful in our lives. That all the all the storms that may come to try to beat us down, all the all the droughts that may happen, all the the, the periods of times where you're like, man, God, I just don't know under, and I don't understand what you're doing in my life. That that we can pause and have faith. And have trust that he's got things under control and that he has given us his spirit to guide us and help us into that. It all starts with Jesus. It starts with his death and his burial and his resurrection. And it starts with us believing in that and trusting in that and allowing him to guide our lives. Let's pray. God, we thank you for... um, God, as, as much as it might be impossible to understand and comprehend how you work and have moved throughout millennia, God, we, we thank you for allowing us to be a part of that, that, that we get to enjoy the results of your work in our lives. God, help us to be willing to allow ourselves to produce what you want to produce in our lives, for us to set ourselves aside and allow you to choose the life that you have always meant for us. In Jesus' name.